I'm sorry. I had to let the whole thing play. You can't just cut that early. And what a loving tribute to the greatest Leaf pitcher of all time by uh, by a Boston native. I was I was actually going to get into that. The, the reason why I picked that song, due to no one's ever done it before, being yeah. the first unanimous player to ever get inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Everybody, welcome to 2, 5, and 10, episode 18. I know we're primarily a hockey podcast, but something like that does have to be touched upon, probably just because Ben's a New Yorker. But um, more importantly, I mean, you got to give respect when respect's due. It'll probably be the same thing for Jeter, except he didn't have a walk-up song like that. But, um, yeah, tip of the cap to Mariano. Impressive nonetheless. Benny, I kind of surprised you with that. You didn't know that was coming, but uh, (laughs) anything you got to say on your end? Greatest relief pitcher of all time. My favorite Yankee growing up, even ahead of guys like Jeter and Posada and Pettit. Uh, we probably would have only won two World Series without Rivera, especially during his prime. Ended up winning a lot more than that. Um, yeah, it's always been, you know, I didn't really realize it until I moved to Boston for college, but that whole rivalry between the Yankees and Red Sox, there's a lot of hatred there, but it was very enlightening to see how Red Sox fans, they hated Rivera, but there was like that begrudging respect and the Yankee fans had that towards guys like uh, Ortiz too. So big rivalry, but there's always been that mutual respect for guys like that, like Torrey, Rivera, Jeter, um, Ortiz. But yeah, first guy to ever do it, fitting guy to do it, and next year probably Jeter will get it done too. And I just thought it was like, I never knew the whole statistics behind it until I see social media start blowing up. I'm like, first unanimous players. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, because now you think unanimous decision in boxing, and you're like, so. <laughs> then I'm like, he legitimately, what's the count? 248 votes? Yeah, or, yeah, 243, 248, something like that. The, my favorite stat of Rivera's is that more men have walked on the moon than have scored against him in the playoffs. I actually thought that was awesome, too. I saw that the other That's day. Incredible. I mean, granted, though, with all that, the intro song does touch to another thing. Speaking of entering Sandman, Peter Chiarelli in Edmonton era, officially done. Put him to sleep. Fire <laughs> away, Betty. Enter night. Um, finally, I think. I think this is two years too late. Uh, essentially wasting all the cheap years that they had with McDavid before his extension kicked in, which is going to handcuff their salary cap situation, especially with guys like uh, Luch still on a on a roster. Terrible trades. You know, even the Ryan Strom for Ryan Spooner trade. Strom was a, he's not a top line forward like he was drafted to be, but he was a solid bottom six right handed shot guy. You can put on a power play if need be, penalty kill. They trade him for Ryan Spooner, uh, who was on a Rangers, and then a few weeks later, Spooner's on waivers and he's gone. So it's like the mismanagement of resources like that really did him in. I mean, I feel like it's the ownership or there's something up there that it all comes a part of because I just don't get how on earth you kept Kevin Lowe around that long, how you kept, you know, McTavish around that long, and then you bring Chiarelli in and it was the same thing. Like, at some point, you have to get rid of the dead weight, and I just don't know why it takes them so long for or what the issue is, but... It is not a good look for them. And like you said, and then he comes in and he does the same thing he did in Boston. And now there's people there locked up for huge money. And they're not going anywhere. Like, unless you buy him out. But your buyout still hits the cap. So I just don't yeah. know what's good, what's bad. Like, I just don't know why he does this for everywhere he goes about a quote-unquote, like, keeping the core in contact. But it's like, you traded away Taylor Hall. Like you said, you traded away Strom for Spooner. Like... I just don't know where there's middle ground here. Like, it's ugly all around up there. Yeah, and then, well, essentially he traded Jordan Eberle for nothing because he traded Eberle straight up for Strom. Traded Strom for Spooner. Spooner's on waivers. Signed Luch to that contract. Uh, Traded Taylor Hall for Adam Larson, who can't skate his way out of a fucking phone booth at this point. And you touched on something, too, with ownership. They fired him less than two days after he signed... Miko Koskinen to a three-year extension for like over four million a year. If you're going to fire him, or even considering firing him, why are you letting him sign 
him to an extension. Yeah, I never got that part either. I was reading on that, and it's like he definitely overpaid for him too, big time. Oh, yeah. At least a mill or two a year. So on that end, yeah, someone in management has to be like, A, timeout, like maybe this isn't a good time, but who knows, maybe Chiarelli's just one of those guys where uh, he just go ahead, does his work, and you don't even know until it's in with you know the league office and you see the little thing flash across, a little email, oh, here you go, we're already signed, XOXO. Yeah, like one one last little gift for the Oiler fan base before he was shown a door, which the Bruins hired him away from Ottawa, and he had a good reputation with the Senators, uh, which kind of got tarnished, even though with the Cup with Boston, um, most of those guys were already kind of there or developed when he came aboard. Uh, by the end of his run in Boston, his reputation was a little tarnished, and then his whole Oilers thing just cratered, which kind of gives credence to the whole idea of while he was in Ottawa and Boston, Boston specifically, the assistant GM there was Jeff Groton, who is now the GM of the Rangers, and he got a lot of the credit for the Chara signing, uh, a couple other things, and he's looking pretty with the Rangers GM role at this point with the rebuild going on, and now Chiarelli is out of a job again. And the other thing, too, is now that you brought up track record, I just don't know who even looks at this guy as a GM role. Like everyone has seen how the past eight years have gone for him. It's kind of like I I would stay away. I mean, even if I was Seattle, I, there's no chance. Oh yeah, no chance. No, all set. Thanks. Yeah, it's NHL is still like an old boys club, so a lot of guys end up getting recycled. You see, like coaches, especially Pat Quinn, Burns. Carlisle, they always get a second, third opportunity, Ryan Murray. But that's really something that's a problem in Edmonton. Like you said, Lowe is still on a payroll. McTavish is still on a payroll. They have a couple voices in a room. Uh, they, when they brought in Chiarelli and Richards, they got praise around the league for bringing in uh, reputable outsiders. I still thought Richards was a good coach, um, but he got done in by Chiarelli stuff. I just don't know where you go from there. There's a lot of bad contracts, not much in the pipeline. You have Dry Saddle and Hall, Nugent Hopkins to a certain degree, but you have really just uh, Cuffman on defense. Other than that, you have nothing. Talbot's a free agent after the year. I wonder if McDavid wishes he didn't sign. For the money he got, it doesn't matter. He he wished he signed. Granted, he would get that money anywhere, but now it kind of handcuffs the team on the other end because, I mean, Eichel signed for i think it was two million less a year than it was yeah so i mean i get getting paid i'm all for it like hey if you deserve the money take the money but now on the other end like that team is so handcuffed and the other contracts they have on board it's gonna be hard to fit people in here and then mm-hmm. they paid dry huge money too like ugh. and the other interesting tidbit was they had been struggling to find a top-pairing defenseman for a few years. I remember they signed Andrew Ference, thinking that he would be the captain and top-pairing guy who won a cup and a veteran, even though he was a bottom-pairing guy in Boston. They're constantly trying to fill out holy signs. Sakara, who's not a bad player, but he's not a top-pairing guy. But Larry Brooks, you know, maybe that's what I'm saying, Brooksy, uh, came out today in an article uh, talking about when the Rangers traded McDonough. Uh, everybody knows he, he's he been dealt to Tampa last year at the deadline. But apparently the summer before that, the Rangers, who didn't have a first-round pick, were in love with Clayton Keller. And they offered McDonough straight up for the fourth overall pick to Edmonton. And Chiarelli turned him down and then traded Hall for Adam Larson. <laughs> like, he could have had McDonough and Hall, and the Rangers would have ended up with Keller. I don't know... If I would have liked that deal in the end, just having Keller instead of having Howden and uh, Hedrick and the first-round picks and stuff like that. But just right there, if you're sure really, why are you rejecting that trade? I don't know, especially for someone like him who likes locking people up long-term that are especially older. It seemed like McDonough would have been right in the <laughs> wheelhouse for him. Hey, Girardi's a free agent this summer. They can sign him to a five-year deal for six mil. <laughs> and if he was there, there's probably a chance of that. <laughs> But yeah, long time coming. 
I don't know who they bring in from here. I'm always going to be touting guys like Ron Francis and Mark Hunter, even though those are my picks to be the Seattle GM. Um, but yeah, they need to go in a different direction. A new GM needs to have some weight and have full or auto- full autonomy to make decisions here. It's upsetting that uh, now looking back that that whole Mariano thing happened this week. Because if it didn't, my intro today totally would have been JoJo too little, too late, uh, and I would have <laughs> hit that high note so hard coming into the intro. But whatever. Because that, that three six mafia one about heads gonna roll. Oh, I like it. See. Yeah, coming uh, soon to a theater near you. <laughs> but, yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see up there in Edmonton. To be honest, you know, he got fired because he was too patient, but he rebuilt a farm system, got rid of bad contracts, brought the right guys, and even role players. Guys like Straight, um, Wayne Simmons. What about Ronnie Hextall? Ronnie would be a good choice just in the sense of, a guy who comes in and he's not going to take any shit. Like, <laughs> yeah. he's going to come in and, like, revamp an organization. And if you're not performing, you're not playing. I know that's usually a coach's call, but I feel like Ron definitely had his hands in a lot of things. And I'd say even at his age now, he still looks a little crazy, still definitely a bigger <laughs> dude. Like, that was one not- guy I would not want to chuck him with, like, politely declining. Yeah, I mean, the- McDavid's still young enough, even though he's a big cap hit now. But I think that might be an interesting... Uh, thing. Him and Francis have that connection of rebuilding an entire organization. So if I'm going to go earlier, I would kind of look in that direction right now. Well, switching gears from someone who just got completely gassed to someone who was at the top of their game, Alexander Ovechkin last week, I believe it was Wednesday, he ends up tying Sergei Fedorov for the most Russian with points in the NHL at 1,179 obviously he's going to get another point and break this record. Yeah. But, I mean, what's your thought on Ovi as a whole? I mean, obviously the best Russian player we've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about him pretty glowingly on his podcast, even though he's kind of been a pain in both of our asses with the Bruins and the Rangers. Yeah. It's it's interesting to me, like, seeing him catch a guy like Fedorov, who really paved that whole Red Wings team full of Russians, like the quote-unquote Red Army in Detroit, really paved the way for other Russian players to come over and also change the stigma of uh, Russian players being lazy and moody or like not good defensive players because Fedorov was elite in that area. Uh, guys like Kozlov, Konstantinov. So Fedorov really paved the way, and he played during the lockdown era, essentially, where offense was almost in a shitter. So seeing the points he was able to put up over that time frame is really astounding. But, uh, yeah, Ovechkin, best Russian player of all time, best pure goal scorer. He's 33, and he's still leading the league in goals this year, um, which is pretty damn good. Uh, I just, like I keep harping on, I wonder how much longer he's going to stick around in the league once his deal is over. Would it be weird to kind of consider him like the Tom Brady of hockey in the sense like, He's still getting older, but he's still producing at just that insane rate. And no matter what, it's like, oh, this is the year Ovi's going to slow down. This is the year someone's going to stop that one-timer. And, like, maybe it's just because he doesn't understand English. And, like, <laughs> you know, like, it's just it just seems like it goes in one ear, out the other, and he goes out, he starts humping and doing his thing and just doesn't phase him. Hashtag, we're still here. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, with Ovechkin, it's just, I think, first of all, it's the fact that he's still able to float towards that cir- left circle and rip a one-timer, and there aren't three guys just blocking that pass or standing in front of him is ridiculous. Like, it's 15 years now, guys. Um, but yeah, he's one of those guys that he is definitely a bigger guy, plays physical, but he's in such good shape that I don't see him really wearing down. I just see him... Potentially just, he's got his cup, he's done everything. Now he's going to be the best Russian player in the league's history. Maybe just want to go back home for a little bit. Because his girl uh, still lives in Russia part-time, I think, too. So that may play a factor. Yeah, Ovechkina. You know, you just had had an A at the end, and now (laughs) he's hers. I have one question for you, too, because I noticed it when they were doing... um, They had him mic'd up for open a night for when the caps were lifting the banner and everything and 
I just say it because coming from someone like him, I would believe it. And legitimately, he's like takes the cup and he goes, he puts it in the case, he gives it a kiss, and he goes, "I'll see you in June." <laughs> and, and like, for me, coming from someone like him, I think there's a chance. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Washington's still loaded. Um, they're kind of in a little bit of a swoon, but that's to be expected after a long playoff push, a uh, Stanley Cup push last summer, um, coming off that high, but. I wouldn't, when it comes to the East, it's basically Tampa and everybody else. So I wouldn't be surprised if the conference finals end up being Tampa and Washington or Tampa and somebody else. But yeah, I wouldn't really count Ovechkin out in the seven game series at this point. After last year, finally getting over that hump, I, I just don't think anything holds them back. Like I know it was always like, oh, well, once as they play uh, Pittsburgh, they're done. And now that they've gotten over that, now, like you said, it's kind of like, Hey, they've been there. They've done it. There's no reason to count them out now. Yeah, that was like when the Rocks get past the Yankees and ALCS all those years, and then when they finally came back in 04. You know, we'll, we'll tell Mariano thanks for the rings. But getting back to the hockey now, because I know how uh, the Bru- oh, Jesus, I was going to say the Bruins, Yankees, the Red Sox, Yankees <laughs> gets you hot and bothered. Back to this weekend, NHL uh, skills and all-star game. Any... Uh, thoughts what would you think of the whole thing you you got to go so i, I want to hear the whole experience yeah i went on uh, for fan fest and in the skills competition which Batman took competition out of the name for some reason it's called nhl all-star skills uh, but overall the experience is a lot of fun uh the fan fest is great a lot of uh young kids there uh a lot of fans from all over. Obviously, San Jose is probably a nice little vacation spot to go to in the winter. But, yeah, the photos with the cup, there are random Hall of Famers and former players walking around, guys like Ronick, Mike Ricci, Chichu. Uh, I talked to Adam Graves, you know, the best power forward of the 90s uh, in the NHL. I uh, showed him a photo when I was seven that I met him and got his autograph back then, too. Uh, yeah, I mean, the fan fest was great. I highly recommend if you ever end up going to an all-star game in your ho- in the host city or you're going to make a trip to plan some extra time and go to the fan fest, it's well worth it. I think tickets were $15. Uh, I saw a Gritty while I was walking around, and he was on his way to the skills competition because he was going to be doing that fastest skater thing with uh, Sharky. And as he was walking by, all I did was yell, I was like, let's go Rangers. And he looked at me and acted like he's going to chase me, but he was being held back by his handler. <laughs> so, yeah, he's always in character. Uh, that was fun. Uh, some random observations from the skills competition. I think it was there's a little bit too much downtime in the arena, but the competitions themselves were a lot of fun. The worst one had to be the passing competition. Like with the mini nuts and everything, like just mm-hmm. that killed the momentum. Uh, the fastest skater obviously was great. Uh, McDavid and I may say her name last name wrong, but there's a coin, right? Yeah, just go with Kendall Coin because after she got married, I don't want to butcher either. I think it's like Showfield yeah. or something, but yeah, Kendall yeah, Coin. So, yeah, Kendall Coin ripped it around the end board. So like, I even texted you that on Friday, like just incredible speed around the rink. Um, and McDavid just acting like nothing, just taking his long strides around, uh, won it for the third straight year. To be honest, it was both of fans in attendance of the skills competition, which I guess isn't surprising. Um, Pink got the last year, which was fantastic. Uh, Matthews got a standing ovation when he pulled off his jersey and Marlowe was underneath. And uh, I got to say, this is probably not PC, but Jack Eichel looks like a lesbian from the 90s, man. Like with that hair, dude. <laughs> you don't like that fro with the thing on the sides? I, like, I don't even know like what to call it. Fro was just like hanging over his forehead like a Roman uh, warrior helmet. <laughs> and, and, and the craziest part, too, like ugly as sin with that hair dude but he is pulling yeah. tail left and right with all the hundred dollar bills he has hanging out of his zipper but um, yeah maybe all the girls had a uh, vander game uh vander came beat up in buffalo jesus christ <laughs> <laughs> but no it's a great experience uh two last two observations one is a little lighthearted. 
uh, our friend, uh, I don't know if he wants to be named, but is the uh, devil's mascot. And the mascots had a little all-star game of their own before the NHL all-star game on Saturday. And I got to say, he was not good on the back check. Very lazy, kind of doing a little water skiing with his stick. Not very good on a back check at all. Ouch, calling him out. We might have yeah, to. Yeah, I gotta some, get the feet moving. We might have to uh, have a defense mechanism come on for him. We might have to come on and defend <laughs> himself. Have a translator, but uh, and the other <laughs> thing is, um, you know, San Jose, the organization has been top notch since they came into the league. The area itself, they have a very strong fan base uh, here in the Bay Area, mostly around San Jose. Uh, they successful on the ice they San Jose Bay, Bay Area actually has the most youth hockey players in the country at this point um, so they're doing really well but the center of the hockey universe NHL universe at least was in San Jose this weekend and they've been building this up for a couple of weeks beforehand and I listen to the sports talk radio out of here pretty much during the afternoons every day not one mention of the all-star game not one player interview not one discussion about um, the Sharks as an organization, nothing. And that's not to say that San Jose is a bad hockey market because it's pretty damn good, but it still gets treated like the redheaded stepchild, no offense, Red, um, out here in the Bay Area by the media. And it's really frustrating because as somebody from Boston and New York, we would come out here and see the Sharks and I expect there to be talk about when they went to the Stanley Cup. And the All-Star game is here. Uh, we're going to interview Pavelski or Thorne or somebody just – radio silence but with that i mean all their teams out there are out and some are out of season so what what are they talking about like the la rams like it, it's a pretty good well, drive from you guys to there well out here in the bay we, they're talking about the warriors and what their ninth guy on the bench is averaging in free throw percentage because everybody sucks the warriors dick out here and even on off days, they're just talking about, like, Steph Curry is releasing a new shoe, but they won't talk about the Sharks winning, like, six in a row or something like that. Impressive. Um, like, I know basketball is higher on totem pole at this point than hockey, but it's just a like, complete disregard for the sport overall. Th- that's crazy, too. And like you said, with having probably the most kids currently out there playing, that's yeah. just strange. But, um, and I even tweeted at the radio. I was like, I'll come on and gladly talk about the All-Star game coming up in the Sharks. You guys don't even need to say a word. Give me three minutes, and I'll pump the All-Star game for you guys and go, and nothing. You should be like, <laughs> yeah, that's about three more minutes than you were going to give it. So, you know, if you can give me three minutes of your show, I'll be thrilled. But, the, but we got to talk about the 49ers upcoming draft projections. Oh, God. Um, my thoughts, Kendall Coyne, like you said, absolutely flying. Um, one second behind the boys, she came in at fourteen point three four. McDavid won the competition at thirteen point three seven. Yeah, dude. If the girls or the women's national team, like, if they dump one in at the red line and she's coming in on the forecheck, like, <laughs> holy <laughs> shit! Like, dude, she was flying. It was crazy. And then the other thing that I thought was uh, interesting: Brianna Decca took part in that passing competition along, like, the one that Dreisaitl won. They didn't yeah. put a clock up for her, but originally Dreisaitl came in at a 1.05 or, yeah, a minute and five seconds to get it done. The The first rumor on social media was that hers was not timed on the score thing because, you know, whatever they wanted, didn't want to be biased or, like you said, a competition, this, that, the other thing. The first rumor was that she came in at 103, so she was quicker than Dreisaitl to win it. But then after, yeah. there was a thing that came out that said, oh, no, she she came in second. She came in just behind her. But then the hashtag comes out, Pay Decker, because they thought that she won the competition. And then CCM actually stood up and paid Decker. They paid her twenty five grand for yeah. uh, basically winning the competition. So it's to me, it's crazy impressive as to how good these girls are. Like... I mean, dude, to be one second behind Connor McDavid, the arguably the best player in the world, speed wise, crazy. To actually go on yeah. and beat his line mate Dreisaitl in passing, crazy. <laughs> like, all I'm saying is like, these girls are legit, and their whole holdout that they had with USA Hockey to get better rights, better pay, 
better facilities and all that. Like, good for them, man, because now clearly it's paying off. Because, I mean, people would say, you know, men are more elite or this, that, and the other thing. And I think they're if they're not there, they're pretty fucking close. Yeah, and I think Kendall Corn even said, I hope this weekend changes the terminology from where women that play hockey to we're hockey players. And I hope so, too. I, I think after this weekend, I think a lot of people are going to be thinking the same exact thing. And Yeah, it was funny. Like I was sitting there, and when I saw her, because I won fastest skater, you know, not bragging or anything, a couple years in a row in high school. But seeing her skate, I was like, this girl would light my ass up, like even when I was younger, like, holy shit. (laughs) She took off, and when she got to that first corner and she instantly starts crossing over, I'm like, dude, she's moving right now. Like, she flew. It's even, I thought it was even more of a takeaway that, you know, she flew around the entire rink and it was very noticeable. But you're a high skinner from Dallas beat her time and it looked like he was skating in sand because of how long his strides are. <laughs> it's crazy too, actually watching that competition now. Like I remember when you're younger, you're just like, wow, these guys are fast. But now when you actually look at it and like you said, like the different strides or how it legitimately only takes McDavid six strides to get up ice at once he comes out of that crossover at the end, you're like, this is insane. Like insanity. <laughs> And at least uh, one of our guys from our team's West Skills comp, Lundqvist, won the save streak, uh, beat out Vetilowski, and then Pasta won the uh, accuracy contest, which is pretty damn good, 11 seconds. One thing that I will knock him on, or not him, just the competition as a whole, we had posted that Ray Bork video from early in the 90s, and that's when you actually had to legitimately catch a pass and then shoot the puck. Now oh, yeah. it's just in front of you, and you can just crank them. So I mean, I, I definitely say it's a little bit different, just in the sense of you get a pass, you got to control it and shoot it. This was just they're sitting in front of you, just crank them and let them rip. Um, Hank, with that, hats off. Um, pre-game interview with Jackie Redman. Jackie Redman was smoking the whole time, but when <laughs> Lundquist came up and they did like the uh, the peep through, you know, they started from the toe and they like worked their way. You see, it's Hanky. It was like. My breath got taken away. I was like, <laughs> like, what a handsome man. Yeah. To be honest, if I ever met him in person, which I hope I get the opportunity one day, I will never never feel uglier than when I'm standing next to him. <laughs> um, One thing, when Skinner ended up scoring that goal, what a move he put on Hank. Like, he had to earn that. Yeah. I was like, holy shit. Even a Santos goal in the game... Uh, in the final, the championship, I guess, uh, game, like that was a sweet goal too. Just sneak under Lundqvist's glove on the on the backhand there. But yeah, Lundqvist, he had his lucky suit on, which he wore previously in the playoffs, and it was the Godfather suit. Where on it, the lining was just like photos from the Godfather and a logo of the Godfather movies. Yeah, I saw the picture of that. That's pretty cool having the whole lining of that like that. Well, I guess when you got yeah. expendable income, it doesn't really matter. You get whatever you want on your suits. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but how was the experience viewing the skills competition like on TV at home versus what I kind of laid out in person? Uh, it's not as bad on the other end because they're kind of jumping around and doing interviews here and there and kind of showing things of the past. So at least at home, it's kind of a little bit more filler where, like you said, when you're sitting there, you're they're setting up new things. They're doing this. They're doing that. It's kind of like, hey, great song, huh? A little elbow to the guy next to you. <laughs> Oh, I will say I also saw Linda Cohn uh, outside SAP Center. You know, long-time Rangers fan, long-time hockey advocate at ESPN, so always give her much respect for that. And she was walking in to do an interview on Longer Red Carpet, and I gave her a little shout-out, and she gave the wave. I was like, let's go Rangers, man, and she gave the wave back. So I want to give a shout-out to the lovely Linda Cohn. Uh, interesting tidbit about her, too. She was her uh, high school varsity team's goalie. And which was pretty cool when before there was co-ed. Well, it was co-ed, so it was legit just the boys and her playing that. Yeah, I think she actually in the Florida Panthers practice recently, like played goal for them. That's pretty cool. She's still getting after it. 
she's like in her mid forties, I think, at this point. But yeah, so Linda Cohn always been a long time hockey fan at the mothership. Uh, one other thing, since we're already here and we're spending a little bit of time on it, Johnny Hockey deserves more credit. Um, I know he gets torched for being smaller and this, that, the other thing. But that stick handling thing he did through, 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 and then, you know, yeah. right on, like, he's phenomenal. And I just don't know, after you get out of Sid and McDavid, after that battle of one and one, two, or one and one A, whatever you want to call it, I think there needs to be more people pushing for Johnny Hockey at three. Yeah, I mean, he's been giving, he was getting a few shout outs and props this weekend from the other players around the league. I think it's just a matter of he plays, it's not only that he plays for Canadian teams, so he misses out like on the American market for the most part, but he plays on a Canadian team that's on West Coast time. Yeah. So a lot of people don't get to see him consistently enough until the playoffs start. But yeah, Johnny Hockey, if he was playing on a Bruins or the Rangers or Flyers or whatever, I think he'd be like considered a top three to five player in a league. Yeah, I, I hope so, man. He's just tears it up every year. He's there with points and, and he's consistent too. It's not like there's been any drop off ever since he signed. Like everyone, the first year when he came in, everyone's like, Oh, you know, people didn't know how to play him. He was a lot smaller, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then every year it's just been something. And now there's no excuse. Now it's just, he's Johnny hockey. Like before it was always, Oh, you know, he's a little bit smaller. Oh, see, the goalie was screened, but now it's just, that's Johnny Hockey. That's it. I love what I love that he gave himself that nickname in counter to uh, Johnny Manziel in football, being called Johnny Football. I still need him to have his goal celebration to be the uh, give me the money whenever he scores the goal like Manziel used to do for touchdowns. Maybe if there's a, uh, a playoff game overtime winner, you might get one this year. We'll see. <laughs> Uh, getting away from the All-Star game, I, I think we hit a lot on it, but something that was finally released this weekend was as to who the Dallas Stars are playing in the Winter Classic next year. And, of course, they picked my boys, the Wagon, the Nashville Predators. I know this upset you, Benny, but for me, uh, the only reason I think they made the most sense is I'm with you with the whole storyline thing of, you know, Minnesota bringing back the North Stars versus the Stars. The only other thing, it's like, if they bring in Winnipeg, it's a Canadian market team. So I don't think, I think they're losing viewers there. The Minnesota thing, I mean, Minnesota should bring you a huge thing. I mean, they call themselves the state of hockey. But at the same time, I feel like Nashville's been there now. Like, they're now a legitimate hockey market, hockey contenders. This team is built to win. So with that, I think that's probably your best choice in the West because outside of Minnesota, I just don't know who would give you bigger numbers. Because if you're looking at just team, I don't know who gets it for you. Yeah, I mean, it looks like the league wanted to keep it within the division for like a quote-unquote rivalry. Uh, But if I would have went Minnesota first, if they didn't... You know, that solves two issues. They're in a division, and they also have, like, the little backstory. And the, the throwback uniforms, both teams have been really legit. Um, if they were willing to step out of that, I think – I'm not saying Nashville is a terrible pick, but I would have done Minnesota or I would have gone to Tampa Bay. Uh, just for the firepower that Tampa Bay has, best team in the league. Tampa also not in a traditional hockey market. We'll get some extra rub from the exposure – um, but yeah, the thing about, and this has been talked about a lot, keeping a Canadian team out of the winter classic because they don't want to lose half of the American market. Then how are you ever going to promote guys like Johnny Hockey and Conor McDavid on a national stage like that, except for a Stanley Cup? I think you just have to go off of pure athleticism. Like McDavid's McDavid. You, you go with that. Johnny Hockey's Johnny Hockey. You go with that. But no, I'm with you on the exposure end of it. Definitely, the more people see him, the more it's, the more you like it. I'm kind of with the Nashville thing, just in the sense of like they're here to win now, and you know Pecorine, I believe next year, the year after his last year of his deal, so you're probably gonna win the Vezina this year. You get PK Subban, 
it, you get Roman Yossi, you have that whole other D end, Ekholm, Irwin. Um, up front, you, you got the other guys. You got Benino, you have Johansson, you have Ardvidsson. So I just think, yeah, like I just feel like their list goes on and on. And David Poyle locked all those guys up long term for team friendly deals before they would have went somewhere else and made real big boy money. So for him to be able to keep it in core the un Peter Chiarelli way is phenomenal. But or even the, same... the uh, anti Stan Bowman way. Yeah, exactly. But one other thing I thought was funny too was Bill Daly came out on NHL Network. They had him there, and he was saying it was also tough giving this game to Nashville because they want to give Nashville a Winter Classic too. So now there has to be at least a couple of year buffer before Nashville can get it because you're not going to have them in this one and then next year give them the Winter Classic. Well, why not? Blackhawks are it every other year too. Um, That's true. I think That's I'm, true. Okay, let's say Nashville was getting it next year. Off the top of your head, give me one team you would want to see them play in Nashville for the Winter Classic. If they have another playoff run in, I have to say Winnipeg. Yeah, I was, I, my initial thought, and I know they're rebuilding, they're terrible, but when Nashville first came into the league, Detroit was the measuring stick for them, like trying to get over that hump, and I thought it would be cool if Detroit kind of on the upswing again. Now they're the uh, underdog against a team like Nashville. But yeah, Winnipeg, yeah, that would be a good one. Well, uh, another thing they released was, I don't have the date, I know it's February of 2020, for their stadium series game, they are having the Colorado Avalanche out at the Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs playing the L.A. Kings. Unfortunately, the L.A. Kings are kind of in the dumpster. Yeah. But I think it would definitely be a pretty cool backdrop. Pretty nice out there. So um, if you're listening to this, my friends out in Colorado Springs, also known as Sierra and Phobes, if you're willing to buy me tickets, I will probably go watch the game. So just throwing that out there. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure about that Kings pick either. Uh, I think they could have gone Vegas. They could have gone, like, even Edmonton, too. Like, the fact that McDavid hasn't played in the Winter Classic yet is pretty ridiculous. Crazy. Like, Edmonton-Calgary, Winter Classic? I mean, I don't know why you can't piggyback them. You have one Winter Classic, Eastern Coast, you know, East Coast time early, one, and then you have a four later on, which is 1 o'clock Pacific time. I mean... Yeah, you're hungover on New Year's Day. You want to slam a couple more beers and watch hockey. There it is. Exactly. And next year's All Star Game is in St. Louis, and I know I already texted this, but I'm totally down to uh, go there to check out the basically the new arena. But the experience itself is a lot of fun here in San Jose. I, I think it would be fun. Maybe we could have a little uh, podcast off with the uh, Chicklets boys. <laughs> I don't know if you want to. Uh, have a podcast offer of interview guests. <laughs> well, we'll just wait outside the RV bus and be like, hey, do you guys have like three <laughs> minutes of your time? Like, we'll just walk you back to the arena. That's all we need. <laughs> so, yeah, the other thing that came out this week was I know they already canceled the World Cup in 2020 uh, because of the CBA wasn't extended. They're not necessarily saying that that's going to lead to a strike, which would be crazy if they had another lockout or a strike. But as a counter, they're talking about having some type of international tournament uh, mid-season in 2021, which would lead into the 2022 Olympics in Beijing and bring the World Cup back in 2024. I think doing this way is a lot better for the year after for the Olympics. Because then on that end, it's almost like a preview of what you're going to see the year after in I remember you said the biggest thing with the NHL was them being able to market their players and the Olympics wouldn't let them. This is huge. You own this. You have everything going into the year after, kind of the groundwork's there. So if you have a really good showing and people are liking what they see, there's no question that the year after they're watching the Olympics and there's no reason why everything else should start jumping up a little bit from the youth level on forward. Yeah, I'm just curious about what they mean by some format of an international tournament if they're not calling it the World Cup. Like, if they're not to break it up that way, what do they mean? It's going to be like NHL versus KHL or something? That would be interesting, too. Uh, maybe it gets dirty. Remember those old-school um, 
Canada versus Russia Super Series. Oh, like a brawl. <laughs> yeah, like I don't know, maybe something like that comes out. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, so we'll see what comes of that. But yeah, I also think that's it. Sucks that there's not a World Cup in 2020 to build off of the one that they just had. But having it lead into the Olympics, and then once the Olympics are over, you go right into promoting the World Cup for the new fans that are starting to tune in after the Olympic break. Yeah, I mean, I think as long as the NHL can grab their viewer by the ball bag, they have a chance. But yeah, like we'll you said, it's not set up. Yeah. Um, going forward, since we're speaking about the future, but not too certain, do you have any predictions for the second half of the season? Yeah, kind of thought this up in a sense of not necessarily playoff predictions, but just some random things that taking a stab at it for the rest of the regular season. Uh, I have a couple here, maybe not that surprising, but just putting it on record. Uh, I think San Jose is going to have the most points post-All-Star break than any other team in the league. They're going to end up winning a division over Calgary, which is going to be like a really basically last weekend of the season type deal, but I think they'll pull that off. I think Columbus is going to end up winning the Metropolitan Division. Uh, I the last two one is a prediction of a trade which is one of my favorite things to do so Toronto's been looking for a defenseman to complement all their lefties they have Riley, Gardner I know Hansi play both sides uh, Dermot's on the left side too so they're kind of looking for two top four right-handed defensemen not too many guys out there available I know, know for a fact Chicago would love to get rid of Seabrook in that sense, but I don't think Toronto would take them on. It's a low-key deal. See Ben Lovejoy being traded from New Jersey to Toronto to kind of fill in that second-pairing right-hand role with a guy like Gardner. I would go to predict something right now, but it seems like every time you predict something, it comes true. So, ladies and gentlemen, Ben Stradamus' second-half predictions of the year. Yeah, and the last one I got is just because of the clusterfuck that there wasn't conferences. I think they're going to make a move to help solidify themselves and goal at the deadline instead of selling like everybody thought they would, but the St. Louis Blues are going to make the playoffs. Oh, hold on. Let, let me recheck this. Cause they're four points out. That West is awful. I know. <laughs> four points out. They have the talent. They've been playing a little bit better recently. Jake Allen still blows. I think it's like an eight nine seven save percentage. If they're able to swing something like maybe a Cam Talbot from Edmonton, even though Edmonton's in the playoff race or something like that, or, I don't know, just able to solidify the goal a little bit for the rest of the year, like them making a run, and one of Colorado, Dallas, kind of like fall by the wayside there. But those are my four predictions. Blues in the playoffs, Sharks with the most points in the second half, which means they win the Pacific, Blue Jackets win the Metro, and Ben Lovejoy is going to end up be a blue shield for them. Yet again, ladies and gentlemen, Ben Stradamus in his second <laughs> half predictions. Um, going into it for the week coming up, games of the week, picks of the week. Uh, my games of the week this week both involve Tampa Bay. Uh, Wednesday, January 30th, Tampa at Pittsburgh. And then Friday night, February 1st, Tampa Bay at the New York Islanders. Uh, both number one in each division going at it. And it's at the Coliseum. That place is going to be rocking. Shit, it might even collapse. So we'll, we'll see. <laughs> oh, they just rebuilt that bitch. <laughs> um, and my lock of the week is Friday night, February 1st. I bet against them last time. Not doing it this time. Nashville at Florida. That's the one. Who are you taking? Nashville, no question. Nashville. <laughs> uh, all right, so I'm coming off the win. Uh, this past week with my lock of the week. I'm going to go first with my game of the week pick, Thursday, January 31st. The future Metropolitan Division champion Columbus Columbus Blue Jackets on a road taking on the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, that's an ESPN broadcast, by the way. Uh, so hockey back in ESPN. We'll see what kind of production they bring back in the good old days. Uh, so that's my game of the week pick. My lock of the week pick kind of going off the board a little bit, but I'm going to go against the future Metropolitan Division champs in this one. The St. Louis Blues 
on a road beating the Blue Jackets on Saturday, February 2nd. Wow. I thought you said... Kind of bold predictions in with this one. There is some bold predictions coming out of you today. (laughs) Uh, So we look forward. Now it's time, I guess, time to look back. So today in NHL history, uh, pretty light day. Uh, I know yesterday was Wayne Gretzky's birthday, so happy birthday to the great one. Uh, but for financial history, we have three uh, little tidbits. In 1960, Glenn Hall of the Chicago Blackhawks set an NHL record for consecutive games played by a goaltender when he played in his 329th straight game in a 2-1 loss to the Maple Leafs at the Maple Leafs Gardens. The mark was previously held by Montreal's Georges Vesna with 328. I wonder where we hear that name all the time. Uh, 1989, Steve Eisman scored a goal and had two assists in his 50th game of the season. Uh, Eisman became the fourth NHL player to reach 100 points in 50 games or fewer. He joined the elite company of Wayne Gretzky, Mario Lemieux, and Bernie freaking Nichols. Lastly, 2008. No, this is when you know, kind of stretching for some facts here. The Eastern Conference blows a 5-1 lead but scores two goals late to beat the Western Conference 8-7 at the All-Star Game in Atlanta, throw it back to the Thrashers. Uh, game MVP Eric Stahl tied the game with seven minutes remaining and then assisted on Mark Savard's game winner with 21 seconds left. Since you just said it, I forgot to say it earlier. Barzell should have got All-Star MVP, and of course they gave it to Crosby. Well, didn't Crosby have like 92 goals last night? Uh Something. <laughs> uh, I guess, but it's like share the wealth, share the wealth. Yeah, I mean, I think he's the fourth guy to win a consummate a league MVP and now an All Star Game MVP. Just to be in company with him, they'll give him that trophy. That's all. <laughs> uh, shout outs this week. Who you got? Uh, shout outs this week, of course, the lovely first lady. Uh, you know, always holding it down for us and for ourselves individually. And I'm also going to give a shout-out to a couple of people out here in San Francisco. You know, I heard that they would like to find out how good my boxing skills are. So if you ever want to, you know, take it, be a frog and make a leap, just give me a call. You know where to find me. Wow. Tug on that. Uh, my end this week, Friday night is Big Red's birthday. So big shout out to her. Also, her twin brother is a big Puta's birthday. So big shout out to him. We will be going. Eric- How old is she turning? Twenty one. Twenty one again. Absolutely. Um, we're going to Eric Church Friday night. So I'm just gonna be completely ripped, <laughs> singing along. Put a drink in my hand. Sinners. These boot. Oh, every one of them. So I'll probably have some good stories next week coming back to it. Red has been having a nice little. Uh- Last week, heading into her birthday week, went snowboarding this weekend, had a shower today. Yeah, she, I mean, she lives the good life. Uh, Daddy takes care of her the best he can, so <laughs> th- th- that's it. It helps when the, uh, the little ones behave, right? Uh, d- yes, very much so, definitely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if they, behave... I don't know if we're going to be doing a Sunday podcast because next Sunday is the Super Bowl with the uh, cheating New England Patriots against the Los Angeles Rams, but give us a bold prediction. Um, I'll give you a bold prediction. I, I know when you think of New England and everything else, it was like, fuck old Patriots by a million, Tommy Brady, blah, blah. The, the Rams defense is real deal, and I think yeah. we're going to have a lot of trouble. Like The offensive line has to come to play that day. Um, it's hard. It's very hard to bet against Tom in a Super Bowl. I mean, seeing the comeback they had last week against the Chiefs, I think it's going to be tight. I think Jared Goff is going to be a little confused by the looks that Belichick sends out his way. I'm going to say it comes down to a field goal, 24-21, Pat. Nice. Yeah, I can't. This pains me, but I've gotten to the point of just acceptance of until proven otherwise the Patriots shouldn't be counted against in any type of playoff situation. Jared Goff is not going to be the quarterback to overtake Bill Belichick's uh, defensive schemes. Brady is Brady. Um, just when you think they're down and out, they'll hit a 7 yard slant to Julian Edelman and set him up in field goal position. So 
Uh, I'm going to go not even close. 34-16, New England. Wow. I think you're from New England now, Benny. I like this. Maybe it's a little bit uh, trying to reverse psychology to pass a little bit. I don't know. We'll see. Fuck you. Um, <laughs> anything else this week? Or? Uh, no, I'm just going to give another little props to the greatest goaltender of our lifetimes, Henrik Lundqvist. Even better than Fatso in New Jersey. Uh, hopefully he's able to go on a playoff run next year with the Rangers. We're hoping for the best if he's not dealt at the deadline, but you didn't predict that today, so it doesn't look like that's happening. Uh, as for everybody else, we always appreciate you guys listening. We love the feedback every week. We're just here to keep this train rolling. You know, with it being All-Star Week, that that's all we're trying to be, baby. 2, 5, and 10. We'll see you next week. Somebody wants Shed. She was looking kind of dumb with her finger and her thumb in the shape of an L on her forehead. Well, the years start coming and they don't stop coming. Set to the rules and I hit the ground running. Didn't make sense not to live for fun. Your brain gets smart but your head gets dumb. So much to do, so much to see. So what's wrong with taking the back streets? You'll never know if you don't go. You'll never shine if you don't glow. You're an all-star.